Hello, I'm Kieran Lynch and welcome to Obicast, the Chocolate Sheep Podcast. Each episode will bring you insights, advice and technical updates for the sheep industry. As part of Sustainability Week, I'm joined by Chocolate's advisor Tom Call to discuss the 12 steps from the Chocolate Signpost team to reduce gaseous emissions on sheep farms. We discuss the 12 steps with Tom breaking them down into three key sections, namely land, livestock and inputs. Tom takes us through each of these individually, explaining how the changes required might be implemented on farms, what's involved and what the benefits are for the environment and for the farmer. We finish up with Tom encouraging farmers to consider what steps are already implementing and what additional areas they could focus on for the coming seasons. We start the episode with Tom highlighting how some of these steps will require a change in mindset, others are common practice in cheap farms, and how they will not only have environmental benefits, but they will also result in better welfare and profitability on cheap farms. The Chagas Signpost team, they, they've developed or produced a document outlining the 12 steps to reducing the gaseous emissions on, on sheep farms. Some of these steps will require a change of mindset. Many others are common practice in sheep farms, and the adoption of all the steps are will not only increase the, the farm income, but will also improve the the farm from an environmental and animal welfare perspective. We can only break down the, the steps. Uh, there are 12 steps in the document, but um, if, if we look at them and maybe break them down into three major areas, and, and that's the use of, of the assets that you have on your farm and, and the inputs that you're putting in. So we're looking at a more efficient use of, of probably our main asset, and that's the, the land that all farmers have and where they're, where they're feeding their livestock on. And next then we're looking at the the actual livestock on the farm, in this case, it's the yo, and getting as much out of that yo as you possibly can, thereby increasing the output on the yo. And then, you know, we're looking at then, you know, more efficient use of the inputs that we're putting in on the farm and maybe a change in some of the inputs that we're actually putting in. It's a useful way, Tom, we're looking at that. And I suppose the identity of this, we have to consider we have sectoral targets we have to meet as an industry. But a lot of what we're looking at here it has a positive economic impact on the farm. It's really adoption of some of the best practice principles. And as you indicated there, some of these are already in place on a lot of farms that you're working with. I think it, that it's a useful way you broke that down into the three steps. Maybe if we look at it from that point of view, so we have the 12 steps in it and you can have them broken into three sections. So if we look at how we use the land maybe first, what are the couple of things we can do differently there from that 12 steps plan? Right. So so we, we, we look at our asset, the land there. So what you're trying to get uh, is better use of, of what's there in the land and and, and maybe if we, if we move through the steps one of them is actually applying lime to the land so what you're doing by applying lime is you're increasing the availability of the 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 nitrogen the phosphorus and the potassium that you actually apply uh, for plant growth and and what you're also doing there is you're freeing up uh, background nitrogen phosphorus and potassium that, that's in your farm that could be locked up and and, and uh, as a reservoir there so that's actually saving you money and it's making better use of that land. And Chagas have shown that, you know, for every every euro that you spend on lime, like you're probably getting anything from four euro to a seven euro return, like, you know, so it's not only is it good for the environment, it's it's good for your pocket as well. Like, and we also see that, uh, you know, you, you can you can release um, by playing lime as well on, on, on most land types, you can release up to 70 kilos of nitrogen uh, from the soil. And that's equivalent to about fifty-six units of per acre of, of free nitrogen, in a way. Like the other one that, that we probably all should be focusing on is the, you know, another step there is building soil fertility, and uh, this should obviously be based on on soil analysis. And a lot of farmers have uh, have taken 
done taking soil samples in the last number of years and now it's time to act on those for lower stock farms you probably you don't really need to be looking at index three and index four so you you, you look at what what's what you need for your stocking rate and for the animals that's on the farm and uh when, when we're looking at then to, to to build the the, the soil p and k levels what we recommend is that you use um that you're using straight compounds in conjunction with protected urea that we'll talk about a bit, a bit later on. And that's the your old 1020s, uh, your old 130s. Or if you have to use a compound, um, if that suits your farm better, that you would use a compound such as 18612 or uh, 10 Because research in Johnstown Castle would show that um, both 18612 and 10 are... You know, most of the nitrogen in those is coming from ammonia uh, rather than um, the than nitrate, and that's more more efficient uh, as far as the environment. There's less uh, losses of ammonia and and less uh, emissions through nitrous oxide from those type of products. So, like from that point of view, that's a win-win. You know, you're producing, you're increasing productivity of your ground. You're going to grow more grass, produce more. From an environmental point of view, you're getting better efficiency of nitrogen usage, and you're, you're cutting your input costs as well, particularly with lime. Like it, it's a no-brainer, really. So it is we've been talking about it for years, but it's a huge benefit. So Tom, on the second one, like maybe it probably ties in with what you've covered already. But from the input point of view, look, we know the inputs have gone up massively, particular fertilizer in the last year, and it's likely to maybe stay that way. What's included in them twelve steps that kind of looks at our inputs and how we can address them on farms? Yeah, so probably one of one of the main inputs across all sheep farms is is apart from concentrate, it's fertilizer use. So what we're trying to do here is get farmers to use uh, protected urea instead of uh, can-based products. The when when we use protected urea, um, we get a seventy-eight percent lower uh, ammonia emissions uh, than we we would get from using ordinary urea, and we get seventy uh, percent lower nitrous oxide emissions than we would if we were using can-based products. So the other thing about protected urea is it's, it's actually cheaper than can per kilo of nitrogen. And we get, a, a when you compare it to ordinary urea, you're probably getting something in the order of 12 to 13% uh, extra grass, grass growth by by using protected urea because of the obvious less, less losses. And uh, urea, as it's again, it's, it's an ammonia-based fertilizer, uh, it's positively charged. Your soil is negatively charged, so it's held better in the soil. Less chances of losses and uh, less emissions and spreading as well. Like, you know, so if we, our, our our main target is to it should be to you know to change farmers over to to the use of protect urea and as I said maybe using the O ten twenties O seven thirties. But in some cases, you know, in smaller farms, the only product that may be available to them in, in fifty kilo bags is eighteen six twelve or ten ten twenty. And and probably there's no harm with those lower stock farms using those type of products. Just the, the when we look then at uh, the fourth um, step on the on the lad, on the rung of the ladder is using uh, low emission slurry spreading. So we know that um, when we use uh, low emission slurry spreading, there's a ten to twenty percent increase in the, in the nitrogen use efficiency. Like so, that's that's good good for the pocket and good for the environment. And also, it's the six, there's a sixty percent reduction in in nitrogen uh, ammonia loss to the atmosphere when you're using less. So, I suppose like it's there's a lot more contractors with um, 
low emission slurry spreading devices or machines out there like you know so there's, there's not much of a, a, a as a as a uh, as the problem using it as maybe it was in the past. Um, the other thing, you know, we're trying to reduce the overall chemical nitrogen use by 10% nationally, like. So as I said already, like, you know, if you, if you apply lime, you're probably naturally going to do that because you're releasing background nitrogen and, and you're getting more efficient use of the nitrogen that you apply. Um, the other thing there is, you know, maybe the use of clover, and we'll talk about that, but that later on, that'll increase that, hopefully reduce your overall uh, chemical nitrogen uh, usage and the other thing is we, we need to be careful about you know when we put it out and 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 uh, and what under what growing conditions we put it out and uh, so ma matching grass growth and and uh, nitrogen use at different times of the year that's going to be vitally important as well especially in sheep farms yeah, that, that spring application is critical is, is time right, particularly for an uptake point of view. But again, there's potential cost savings there in farms, Tom. It's not only the environmental benefits, but like everything you outlined in them are all practical steps to reduce the input costs and get better use out of the nature that is already on farms. And considering the fact that a lot of sheep farms are mixed, you know, the less is certainly another technology that could be implemented. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. uh, and 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 the the other thing probably when we move on then maybe the the sixth step that that this outlined there on the twelve steps is uh, you know, better grassland management. Um, you know farmers putting in paddocks. You know maybe taking off offtakes. And when when you do the like of that, like you know you're you're better utilizing the the grass that actually grows on your farm. And the other thing, maybe taking off offtakes, like you, you're increasing the quality of the silage and anything that, you know, when you have a better product then that you're feeding over the winter, that's also reducing the emissions from your methane emissions from your livestock. Like, you know, so that's 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 another aspect that we can look at as well. And again, it's, it's 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 another investment you're going to get an instant return back on. Just look, you're leading really into the livestock end of it. What are the couple of steps we can target in the livestock side that can have an impact on environmental emissions from the farm, but also on a positive impact on the economics from as well. Yeah, so probably there's a lot of emphasis on this now, like, you know, when it's looking at, at, at animal health, like, and, and, and flock health and, and the sheep situation, like, you know, so uh, probably doing, there was emphasis in the past under STAP and, and other schemes that were on doing a, a flock health plan, you know, and that, that's vital that farmers would do that. And then concentrating on areas such as, you know, lameness control, because, you know, Lame sheep don't thrive. They're going to be longer on your farm. Um, lame yos, you know, could end up uh, dry yos and will have reduced uh, litter size. Like you know, so they they're they're important issues. The other thing that can, can be addressed in the health plan as well is, is you know dosing and vaccination, and uh, you know dosing and the use of antibiotics can you know, replaced with vaccinations is important because it you know that there's a lot of emphasis now on antimicrobial resistance and antimantic resistance being a, being a major problem on sheep farms. So that's something that, you know, all farmers need to address that the whole um, health issues, you know, health, healthy sheep will, 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 will produce more. Um, and, and that's good for, for the pocket and the, I suppose, and the environment as well. Like, yeah, and it's true, like them poor doers, not only are they hitting you financially and from a management point of view, but they are also ones that are going to be around on farm longer less efficient right the way throughout and have a bigger impact. So, yeah, that's a win-win, like. Yeah, yeah. The other one then, you know, 
when when all the health issues are taken care of, like you know, we still need to you know improve improve the quality of, and then we're moving on to step eight now is improve the quality of the, the the replacements that we bring in actually bring into the flock. So we can do that by you know maybe keeping the lambs off the you know the best growing lambs at weaning and uh, keeping our best yo lambs uh, and also using the the Eurostar sheep index when we're buying rams to actually you know if we want to look at the maternal index. So we we know that you know rams that are high five star rams on on the maternal index will um will end up breeding yos uh their own, uh, that will be will actually you know have have will scan better will have more lambs born um yos that have less lambing difficulty they'll be more increased they can lead to increased survivability of of the lambs and uh, they're also showing those yos are probably better milkers and then they're they're producing lambs with a you know a higher higher weaning weights like you know so that's that's something that is again all of these we're kind of saying the same with all of them like that's that's also you know as well as being good for the from an environmental sustainability point of view it's also good for from a profitability from a profitability point of view as well and, and an output per yo which which mainly is the main driver of of uh, of profitability on, on most sheep farms and it has management benefits as well from reduction in labour, like and reduced mortality as well. It's a big benefit. So yeah, it's another one having that breeding policy in place on the win. Yeah, and then like you know we we talked about you know prolificacy and number of lambs born per yo, and that's something we have to target as well. And that moves on to point number nine. Like you know that uh, when when you target high prolificacy, you know you're you're increasing the output per yo. And if we target there in a lowland situation, you know you know to from from a profitability and sustainability point of view, we're like we're talking about one point five five lambs reared per yo uh, joined to the ram, and we're also looking at um, on a hill sheep, you know, that ninety percent of the the yos going to the ram on a hill situation will actually um, lamb down, like, you know. So they're they're the two uh, prolificacy targets that we have, and then you know when we move on then to number ten, it's 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 something that maybe some farmers do naturally and some. I've never tried at all, like you know, but as, as reading from your lambs, and uh, you know, if you're carrying a sheep there for the same, and, and the, we're trying to get a big emphasis on getting suckler farmers to calve their their heifers at 24 months. You know, if you have an animal there that's hanging around the farm for 12 months and and not producing uh, any offspring, like you know, that's that's. Uh, Probably it's 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 belching out methane. It's it's it, it's better to get an output from that from that animal. Um. So when you're breeding from your lambs, like you know, I suppose that the main target there is is to have them at the at the correct weight at at mating, and that's generally about sixty five percent of their their mature weight. Like, and that that's probably the, the critical factor when you're when you're breeding from your lambs. Like, you know. We have to be conscious there too, Tom. Like the couple of points you touched on earlier, the breeding plan, the better grass and management, the better animal health, they're all going to have a knock on impact on the prolificity and the ability to mate your lands. And as you said, look, it's not something for every system, but there is benefits for those who can do it. Yeah, yeah. And then the, like the, we move on to point 11 then, like, you know, it's, it's um, you know, finishing lambs earlier. And how do we do about that? Again, as you said there, that goes back to, goes back to grassland management, maybe paddock systems. It goes back to back to flock health as well, having these lambs in as good a health condition as, as we can, you know, we, we, and then picking the right sire, like you know, and and you know the 
Super Ireland have shown that you know if we if we use the terminal sires, uh, five star terminal sires, that'll lead to you know increased average daily gain of the lambs and 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 the reduction in the days to slaughter. Um, so that that's all you know. They're all the main animal issues, like you know, or um, yo issues on the farm, like. You touched on one there earlier, and it's the final point, Tom, and the incorporating the clover. I suppose to an extent that ties in again with points two and three in the whole side fertility, but it's it's something that's going to become increasingly important, particularly on dry stock farms, indeed in all farms, but it has a role in sheep farms. Yeah, it definitely has a role in sheep farms, and uh, and we're seeing that from research that was carried out in Athen Rye, like you know, and extra weight gains and re- reducing the demand for chemical nitrogen, like you know. So we 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 are looking at you know if you're if you're direct, if you're reseeding or or trying to broadcast clover into into swards, there you put an under rate of maybe two kilos at least per 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 acre, uh, and that you know when you when you've a, a sward there with maybe twenty twenty five percent clover in it, uh, it can replace eighty units of uh, of nitrogen per acre uh, of chemical nitrogen, but the one thing like you know, and 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 there a lot of sheep swards are very very dense, very thick, like you know so. Probably the, the the full reseed, maybe the the only viable method for actually getting clover established is going to be very difficult to maybe uh, get get it into especially grazed sheep swards. Maybe maybe an opportunity with silage swards, like you know after after cutting silage to get it established there. But it 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 raises difficulty establishing it. But um, it, it it's something we touched on in the earlier podcast, and again, like if one clear point was pointed out, it needs mechanical intervention to get into that sword, and you touched on there is the density. I suppose Tom, too, in, in the picking of that sword, some of the planning for that in terms of getting the pH right, getting the soil fertility addressed, are things we can do this year for planning for next year. Yeah, and and the other thing is like you know there was an issue last year there with actually getting the the correct slow, uh, clover seed like you know so in a sheep situation the ones that persist longest are probably the smaller leaf to medium leaf clovers so there was an issue with getting those last year but uh, so you need to plan well ahead like and and talk to your seed company and uh, if you're thinking of you know establishing clover that you would do it early in the year as well like you know so it's done in maybe early May. Um and and that you you plan ahead and and have the seed there if you're going to try and establish it. Something certainly has to be on the agenda for a lot of farms in coming seasons. Look, Tom, I suppose we're just a synopsis. Them points, a lot of them are interrelated. All good advice that you would hand out to anyone independent of this, but it's a useful twelve steps to go through on a farm and actually look at your business and say, well, what one of these are applicable to it. Yeah, and, and most farmers will find that you know they, they probably are implementing a, a lot of them you know, naturally anyway, from year to year, like, you know, especially any farmers that are, that are progressive and, and uh, trying to increase their output per year, like, you know, so a lot of the steps could be in place anyway, like, and maybe the one that would stand out for me would would be the the, the application of lime, like, you know, and main benefits of it and, you know, how basically how cheap that product is now when you compare it to fertilizer cost, like, you know, so that's one that maybe... Uh, increasing the uh, the the pH uh, up above six point three is something that we we all as farmers can look at. I think like that one's that one's applicable regardless of stock rate. It's just one that should be implemented anyway. Tom, it's good having you on. I think it's a nice practical way to break it down, and it's a good idea just to go through. So I'll include the link to that in the description. I think it's a useful document to refer back to. Look, really appreciate you coming on today. Thanks, Kieran. Okay, we're going to leave it there for this episode. I've included a link to that document Tom was discussing in the description of this podcast. I've also included a link to the Chagas Signpost webpage. 
I would encourage anyone to visit it. There's a wealth of information on it. It's well worth a look. That's it for me. Again, for any updates from our sheep program, keep an eye on our Twitter page at Chaga Sheep. I'm Kieran Lynch. Thanks for joining us. Don't forget to like, subscribe and follow us for more episodes.